Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. What does Vegemite, Star Wars, and well-crafted LinkedIn profiles all have in common? One name, Karen Tisdall. Karen is an Australian LinkedIn coach and trainer, and she specializes in writing fantastic LinkedIn profiles for her clients. Here is our today's guest, Karen Tisdall. So Karen, thank you very much for being on the show. It's a real pleasure to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I've actually been looking forward to this all week. It's the highlight of my week. So your podcast is one of my favorites. Karen, I wanted to ask you first, how have you started on LinkedIn? When was it? And is there any story around that? Yeah, that was a story to me. But um, I, I'm an early adopter. So I started using LinkedIn in 2005. Um, I don't think I'm a natural adopter of new technology. I was just really lucky uh, to have a CEO. I was working as a recruiter. And we had a CEO who wandered in and said, I've just seen this LinkedIn thing. I think it's really amazing. And so I was a recruiter for 14 years and I started my journey on LinkedIn using LinkedIn to headhunt people. It took me a couple of years to realize that not just could I search for people to employ, for people to put into roles to sell, but I could also use LinkedIn to hunt for potential clients. So, and then I, I sort of started thinking a little bit more about how so many people had really bad profiles and that that actually really impacted hiring decisions but also how you felt about people you know impressions were made just from a quick glance at their profile photo um, and if they had an about section or not if they'd written in the first person or the third so that sort of started this kernel of an idea that I could maybe write people's LinkedIn profiles and I was always telling people oh you should change your profile and you should do this and you should do that um, and so I set up my own profile writing business in 2009. Awesome. I know that you're an absolute expert in um, writing a LinkedIn profile, and we'll definitely get into that uh, later on. But before we get into that, uh, I would like to ask you, as an early adapter of, of the LinkedIn, how have you feel about the changes which are happening on LinkedIn? And obviously, you've seen that, you know, from 2005 till now, and the LinkedIn has evolved dramatically. So what's your experience with that? I think it's just getting better and better. You know, it really is. Um, you know, of course, we all have frustrations of how LinkedIn is. And of course, you know, the many of us who are in the business of LinkedIn training, it's kind of good that it's not easy because it keeps us employed. And just when people have figured it out, it all changes. So it keeps us on our toes. But what I think we have to remember is that LinkedIn has evolved. So it started its life as a place where you just uploaded your resume. Now, most of the profiles I write are for business leaders. They're people who want to attract more business into their companies. So they're either sales directors, sales managers, or they own their own business. So I think we need to remember that it has evolved over time. It has become more a B2B platform. It has become the world's largest publishing platform. So LinkedIn has gone, you know, I think we really need to do this. And then it's bolted that on. So I think of LinkedIn as a little bit like, um, you know, that house that started as a really modest, um, maybe a, a four by one 
we have quite big houses here in Australia. And then people have gone, oh, we need an extra bathroom and we need an extra room. And, and so people have, you know, LinkedIn's kind of bolted things on. But of course, Microsoft changed everything massively, didn't it? You know, we're using LinkedIn when Microsoft took it over and it just, it had a whole new revamp. So I think it's getting better and better. It's still not easy to navigate through. It's still a little bit like that house where you open a door and you go, oh, the bathroom's here. But it has been built incrementally. So I think we need to keep that in mind. Right. And you being Australian, how is actually the, the environment, LinkedIn environment in Australia? Have you seen some changes there as well, you know, over the years? Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, I, I think Australia is known for being quite conservative. Um, you know, so years ago, I, I bought a car that was an Opal car and they're very popular overseas, very popular in Europe. I really struggled to resell my car when it had quite a few bingles because Nobody had heard of this car. It's like, oh, what's this car? You know, we haven't seen it. We haven't heard of it. And yet when it comes to technology, we're actually really new adopters, mm -hmm. really new adopters. So I think um, when you look at Australia, I, I don't think I'm being biased in, in that I think we have some of the best content creators here. Mm -hmm. We certainly have some of the loudest LinkedIn trainers and some of the most visible people here. Um, not to say there are not amazing people in other countries and certainly you know, some of my favourite LinkedIn trainers are in the UK um, with a few in the US. But I think Australians are huge adopters of LinkedIn. And I think the move from seeing it as a recruitment platform to seeing it as a business platform, I think that's something that Australians have cottoned on to pretty quickly. Hmm. We're living through quite turbulent times right now. Obviously, the COVID affected all of us, more or less. How is your business actually during these times? Did you, did you have any, any ups and downs? How is it for you? It's just been up and up and up. It's oh. been amazing. It's been amazing, you know? Yeah, I think I'm up somewhere between 35 and 40% on this time last year. Amazing. And so I think there's a couple of things for that. I think one, everybody's realizing that, you know, national conferences are not going to go ahead. Um, you know, in Australia, we have all of our borders are shut down, so you cannot leave the state. Um, and if you do, you can't come back in without going into 14 days of quarantine. So it's not like the US where people are just moving around quite freely. Um, you know, and one of our states is, is very hard hit. Um, so certainly a lot of Australia is still in lockdown. And I think people are sort of thinking we're not going to have national conferences. We don't feel comfortable putting our sales reps on the road. We need to move to LinkedIn. So I think I've had a whole lot of clients this year that have been in the health sector space, environments that have typically said, oh, no, we won't use LinkedIn, you know. And last year, you know, they were just sort of hanging up the phone to me and this year they're calling me, which is wonderful. And I think the other change has also been my mindset. You know, I, I really like meeting my clients and uh, I think I, I mentioned, you know, I don't connect with people who are outside of Australia. Most of my connections are in Australia. And I had this really restricted mindset around, I live in the biggest city in Australia. I live in Sydney. So I just want to be a big fish in a little pond. I'm only going to do business with people who are in Sydney. And I think my mindset's shifted in that I've gone, of course I can have clients in Melbourne. Of course I can have clients in, in Perth. And I, I've got a client tomorrow I'm talking to who's in Vietnam. It's only like a two, three hour time difference. So I think that has also grown by business because my mind shift, you know, my mindset's shifted with all of the times. Hmm. 
Very, very interesting. And I'm really happy for you that uh, you've seen such a, such a great growth of your company. You were talking about uh, your clients and I would like to know, how do you actually work with the clients? What do you, what do you do? You know, um, how do you acquire clients? You know, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. So um, I get all my clients through LinkedIn, all of them. So um, I do get some who are referred to me directly, who maybe haven't set up a LinkedIn page or haven't looked me up on LinkedIn. Um, so that's word of mouth. But I still think of them as being through LinkedIn because it's having that presence on LinkedIn that keeps you front of mind. It's not enough that people have seen you a few years ago. They need to keep remembering your name in order to refer somebody through to you. Um, so I get all of my clients through LinkedIn um, and I do have a, a four-step process. So I have sort of a 10-minute call to see if we're the right fit. Um, as I often say to people, I'm probably a little bit more like Vegemite than vanilla. I don't know if you know what Vegemite is, um, but it's this spread <laughs> that not everybody likes. It's kind of like Bovril or English Marmite. It's yeah. like that. It's, mm. it's really dark and it's really salty. So I'm more like Vegemite than, than vanilla. I'm not going to be everybody's flavor and that's okay. So we have a 10 minute chat. Then I have an hour where sometimes it's an hour and a half where I ask them a whole load of stupid questions about what do you do? Who's your ideal client? What do you love about what you do? What does this mean? I don't really understand this. So I really dig deep in who they are, why they do what they do, the problems they solve and who they solve them for. And then we come together to have a look at what I've written. We go through it line by line, make sure that they love it. I upload it for them. And of course, with Zoom, you know, you can use it all. I can even give them remote control access mm. to my mouse so that they can type in their own password, you know, and I can then take over and just upload it all for them, check their settings. And I give them coaching around using LinkedIn. So I provide coaching as well on how to post, how to direct message people, how to really grow your network. Because it's not enough to just build it. You have to be able to use it. Mm. But I don't do any training at all. And I don't use Sales Navigator, which I think is quite different from a lot of your guests. I think most of them are quite big Sales Navigator fans and you are yourself, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's very, very surprising that you're actually not, not using Sales Navigator mm. because yeah, uh, most of us, we um, do go to Sales Navigator for uh, extended searches and the filters which are there and all, all that. But I just want to pick up on some, something which you mentioned, you know, you get a lot of, lot of clients and actually majority of your clients are coming from LinkedIn and this is fantastic obviously because you are using the platform the way you're teaching it and uh, so, so you're the practitioner of, of that which is, which is absolutely fantastic. Do you have any specific strategy how you go about to figuring out who might be interested or who might be your ideal client? Absolutely. And uh, I make a lot of assumptions based on what their job is. And I know that it sounds a bit judgmental, perhaps, to put people in boxes. But my ideal clients typically come from an engineering, a technical or an accounting background. So they're typically somewhat socially reluctant. They're typically, I know I need to have a brand, but I hate the idea of talking about myself. <laughs> I know I need to post. I know I need to be seen as an industry expert, but oh, I really hate it. So, you know, I really walk the talk in not using Sales Navigator so that I'm staying, you know, narrow and deep around, you know, let's just get you on the platform looking amazing so that you're not looking at your LinkedIn profile and thinking, oh, it looks so awful. I don't want to post because I don't want to pull attention to my profile, but let's get you looking amazing 
and give you a framework on how you can shape posts, give you some tips on how you can shape your direct messages and how you can reach out and connect with people and use the search buttons, whether those are free or premium and save searches. So I really walk the talk in being immersed in my client's world rather than, you know, I listened to your wonderful podcast with Chris J. Reid. Um, He's got some incredible books, by the way. I didn't realise he had four. I thought he only had three. Um, and I think I've got all three. He's, he's so brilliant. And he spoke a lot about Sales Navigator and the importance of having Sales Navigator teams. Now, that's great for his clients because his clients are already up and using LinkedIn. But for me, I'm targeting those clients who are typically, typically in their 50s, typically very senior and typically a bit socially reluctant and they've also got a bit of a perfectionist streak. So, um, so they're coming to me from the content that I'm putting out. I make sure that I'm really reflecting my own perfectionistic tendencies. I talk about that in my posts so that my ideal clients can go, oh, she's a little bit like me, except she's louder. <laughs> you know, so, um, so they're coming to me and then I'm qualifying them. So I think it's about pull marketing, not push marketing. Okay. I know that, um, you know, in acquiring clients, we can use many different tools and one of them is podcasts. And I, I realized that you are, you know, very often being guest podcaster or, or guest speaker on some podcasts. And you just mentioned in your, this is your 20th podcast, right? This um, is my 20th. I know. So I finally bought a real microphone, <laughs> which we had a bit of trouble setting up today. So yeah, my 20th, which I'm just feeling so grateful for. And I've actually even just to walk the talk in terms of links. I've actually gone into my LinkedIn profile and put down a new job as podcast guest. Now, admittedly, it doesn't take up much time. You know, this is uh, my 20th episode and most are only sort of 30 minutes or an hour, but I have still put it down as a job because I think that what you put out there is what you get back. And fantastic thing is that uh, we were talking about it, you know, before our podcast started that you actually got a client, you're getting clients through the podcast, right? Yes, absolutely. So somebody contacted me only yesterday, um, a sales director, and said he'd listened to one of the podcasts and he wanted to connect. Mm. And I did what another one of your guests, Lynette Johnston, did. Um, I love her. As a New Zealander, I always think of New Zealand as kind of a part of Australia. It's not, but I think that it's part of Australia. <laughs> you know, and I also do the same as her and I leave messages. So I left a voicemail message for him and said, you know, thanks for your invite to connect. Thrilled to hear you know, in your uh, invite to connect, that you liked the podcast, um, let me know if you'd like any free resources. And he DM'd me saying, already had a look at your prices, definitely want to move ahead. When can we chat? Awesome. And that's just from a podcast. But I think podcasts are so wonderful because, you know, you can hear somebody's voice, you get a sense of who they are, what they stand for, and if they're your sort of flavor or not. And one of the things which I, which I like is that, um, and you mentioned it already, you know, there are so many various aspects of LinkedIn, which, you know, you can teach. So, so for example, for Chris, he has a very specific target audience, very specific uh, clients. You have very, very different uh, target audience and, and you cater to them in a very different manner. So I think, I think that's, that's fantastic. And uh, you being um, an expert and, and real a pro in uh, you know, writing and crafting the profiles. Can you tell us a little bit more about what needs to happen or what we need to have in our profiles for you to be satisfied or, or you know, what, what, you would, uh, what you would find as, a, as an ideal profile on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so I was speaking to a digital marketer only this morning and uh, she's, we were setting up an agreement. She's going to refer a whole load of business to me. And we finished our, what we ticked all of the boxes on what we wanted to talk a bit early. And I said, can I have a look at your profile? Would you like some, some feedback on it? Having a look at her profile and she's just talking at people. You know, there's no discussion in there around who her ideal clients are and the problems she solves. And she says, oh yeah, it does talk about the problems I solve. And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't phrased it as a question. Yeah. I think we really need to write our about section talking with people, not at them, but actually throw in there a question saying, you know, are you struggling with, um, with your marketing? You know, are you a lawyer struggling with your marketing and uh, you're really tired of all of this, you know, gobbledygook conversation? I am a digital strategist who makes it really simple, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I think we need to actually talk with people, not at them. And never start our LinkedIn profile with something like, I am an expert with 25 years experience. Because I think if we think of LinkedIn as a networking event, somebody's just come up to you in the room and they've just instantly started going, oh, I've got 25 years of experience and I'm an expert in this. And, you know, they haven't even stopped and said, who are you? What do you do? How did you get here? You know, they're not talking, they're not addressing your needs or your problems. So I think a LinkedIn about section really needs to feel warm and inviting. It needs to reflect the person. So if the person's not warm, it shouldn't sound warm. <laughs> but, you know, it does need to really talk about the problems you solve, who you solve them for. It needs to be conversational hmm. and it needs to really engage your target market. You're not trying to appeal to everybody. You're just trying to attract the right people. And I think... I think far too many people write their LinkedIn profile so that they, and I've been guilty of this myself. I actually think I probably need to rewrite my own LinkedIn profile. <laughs> but um, I think so often we fall in a trap of writing our profiles so that we look happy with how we look to ourselves, hmm. you know? So we're like, yeah, yeah, that's how I want to appear. I'm happy with how I look. It's actually not about what you think and what you feel. It's all about the clients hmm. and it's all about their pain. And I think people don't look through that lens enough. If you'd like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. It's actually interesting. Just, just a couple of days back, I put up a poll on my LinkedIn profile asking people if they, when they go through the, the LinkedIn profiles of other people, are they actually paying attention to about section? Because I think that's, uh, that's one, one of the part. And I think overwhelming half of the people, they, they said that, every single time they're going to read it or like a, a very, very often they, they're reading it. I think more than 65, 70% actually uh, reading. So I think the about section is really extremely important and not many people are paying attention to it, right? Uh, what do you see the main mistakes people are making usually within, within uh, with that space? You know, you mentioned that they're not conversational, but do you see any main mistakes people making in about section? Also talking in the third person. You know, we often see people talking in the third person. And I think that's a real hangover from the, the 1990s 
Um, and there was a wonderful blog writer, uh, Angie King, actually. Um, I'm good with names, Angie King. And um, she spoke years ago about how writing in the third person, you know, these days you've got alcohol is talking about itself, you know, born in Tennessee, raised it everywhere. You know, it's talking about itself as if it's a person. You know, we've got brands, we've got companies that are personified and yet people are still talking about themselves like they're not themselves. Like I'm too important to talk to you directly. And people are, oh, but that's not how I feel. And I'm like, but that's how you make people feel. Mm. You know, you don't ever want to be in the third person. You want to look at the environment you're in and look at the work culture. And certainly here in Australia, um, I don't know so much about Dubai, but, you know, here in Australia, it is conversational. You know, leadership culture, there's so much talk, especially with these terrible COVID times. There's so much talk about psychological safety and um, bringing your whole self to work. And, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, which impacted us hugely here in Australia um, with our First Nation people, you know, we had a, a whole lot of, you know, riots and, and things going on here as well around that. So I think organisations and people are far more cognizant around diversity. So an inclusion and, and being all of who you are. And yet here's somebody who's talking about themselves like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm too important to talk to you directly. If you send me an invite to connect, my secretary might respond. You know, that's how you make yeah. people feel. So first person, I think it's really important. Um, and just write it from your audience's perspective. You know, you really want to be, if you think of it like a Star Wars movie, you really want your client to be like Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. and you want to be that little green man. You know, you want to be Yoda. It takes Luke Skywalker through the journey and you're the trusted guide. Don't compete with your client for I'm an amazing expert who's written these books and stood on all these stages and I'm so amazing. You really want to make your client the hero and yourself the trusted guide. Oh, very, very interesting. Client-facing, customer-facing about section and all the profile. Yeah, that's very, very important. But would you see that there are some uh, differences and nuances when you're writing a profile, for example, for a business owner and a CEO of a company? I might think that, you know, there might be some, some differences, right? No, I don't think there is. You want to always have something personal in there, um, always. Um, so I have one client, uh, Joanne Horworth, actually, who I've got permission to talk about, and, uh, and I use her frequently as an example. And she said, I don't want anything personal in there. You know, I do not, a very private person, don't want anything personal. But she spoke about how she volunteered at the Melanoma Institute and, and she was a chair for something. She sat on the board and I'm like, well, that's something you do that's outside of work. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I could talk about that. You know, so for another one of my clients, um, Martin Richardson, you know, he's a lawyer. And when he was really young, he used to be in a rock band. You know, so I put that in his profile. I had another client who I said, you know, what do you do? Like, you know, you're quite sort of serious. What do you do for fun? And he's like, oh, I do. I don't believe in fun. I said, what do you do for fun? So, well, actually I have two daughters. Uh, and, and so at the moment I'm practicing with them how to do handstands. Oh. And I'm like, we're going to put that in your profile. So, you know, we're not always putting things like that in a profile. It has to feel authentic, but you want to have something personal in a profile, whether they're a business leader, a CEO, whether they're trying to attract business. You want to always have a call to action. You know, sometimes I'll have a CEO saying, but I don't want people to reach out to me. I have a whole sales team who do that. I just want to be on LinkedIn to do this. Okay, fine. Well, then we'll talk to that. You know, if you're interested in technology, reach out and connect today. 
So it doesn't mean you have to accept their invitation to connect, but you want to sound inviting. Mm. So I think it's really important to always have a call to action. Um, I do like to put contact details in the about um, section and also in the experience section of senior leaders, mm -hmm. even if they're not in a sales role. It doesn't have to be their direct email. It could be inquiries at, could be their website address. But I think there are... I think there are certain points that are, are really exactly the same. You know, you want to talk about why you do what you do. Mm. You want to talk a bit about your journey. Um, you know, if you are a, a CFO who became CEO, why did you make that move? You know, what was it about leadership that interested you? So I, I think you need to talk to a little bit about the why, a bit about the problem, something personal, call to action, and contact details, even if it's just an inquiries at okay. email address. Um, I think it's really interesting what you said earlier. Sorry, just to go back. You said um, when you did your poll that so many people, 65% or something, thought that the about section was quite important. And I, I just want to call out the elephant in the room where so many people were like, oh, I don't really read the about section. And something that I get asked quite frequently is, you know, look, I'm, I do want to look my best, so I'm, I'm happy to pay the fee. But do people actually read it that closely? And my answer is always the honest truth. No, they don't. They don't. But if you have a spelling error or a grammatical error, or you're not showing up as your best self, that could lose you a $20,000 deal. If you're looking sloppy and you're not memorable, you know, that's going to impact you. So people won't remember what you've said line by line. They may not even read it line by line. It's not about how people think about the language. What I love about writing is it's actually about how you make people feel. And so that's why I think it's important to have it right, because even though they won't print it off and compare what you had this week with what you had two weeks ago, some people are like, I can't make changes. Everybody's looking. I'm like, no, they're not. Um, you know, it's about how it feels to your audience and whether it feels compelling and whether you feel like somebody that people could trust and could do business with. Right. Talking about the elephant in the room, I was also thinking that people usually do not pay that much attention to a, the, the about section and then, you know, they kind of skim through it. And that's why I put up the poll. And I was, myself, I was actually pretty surprised with the number. And there is at this moment about, I don't know, close to 300 respondents. So it's quite kind of like a decent chunk of people who responded to it. And really overwhelming majority would say like uh, they, they read it, they always read it, or they read it very often. So very mm -hmm. few people actually, you know, we have just four options on the, on the poll. So there's not that much you can, you can do with that. Very few people say that they just rarely read, uh, read these things. So, mm -hmm. so I'm quite surprised by the numbers. So people paying attention to about section. So I think it is pretty important to have it, have it written well. But one of the things which you mentioned as well is how you're showing up. And, and that showing up is also very closely connected with, with the form, with perhaps using some graphics, maybe uh, some capitalization or something like this. Where do you stand about, about this? Using some, some little graphics and, and you know, capitalization of the letters and all that? My audience is quite conservative um, and most of my clients' clients are fairly conservative. So less is always, is always better. Mm -hmm but you do want to have some. 
you know, I have many clients who say, you know, so typically if we look at the, that about section, um, typically at about sort of two thirds down, I'll put an emoji somewhere. And I have clients who say, oh, I could never have an emoji. And yet I end up persuading them to let me put a little arrow or a little, um, it might be a little triangle pointing somewhere, you know, like that. Or it might be um, a star or something that's just at that point where people are just starting to sort of fall asleep and you're losing their attention just to wake them up a bit, you know. And I think capitalization, if it's in keeping with a person's character, if it's in keeping with their personality, I used caps on somebody once and the client said, I'm not really a shouty person. And I was like, you do seem a bit shouty to me. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not shouting. You make it look like I'm shouting. And I'm like, you're shouting. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm just a very, um, uh, it was Jason Hall, actually. I've got permission to use him as well as an example. And he said, no, I'm not a shouty person. He said, I just have a lot of energy. I'm like, oh, stop that. We're going to cancel this phone call right now. I'm going to go back and rewrite everything I wrote. You know, we took all that capitalization out there because what I had seen wrongly as shouty was actually just energy. So I think you've really got to reflect the person and you do have to use some, whether you use, use lingo jam, fancy text converter or some sort of bold or italic or all caps or something to just make it a bit interesting because words need to look good, don't they? Karen, also from your perspective, you being recruited before, uh, obviously now working uh, as, a, as a, a LinkedIn expert, especially in a, in a space of uh, writing LinkedIn profile, how important are keywords being included in, in about section? I would love to say they're very important. I have I still do obsess over keywords, you know, whether I'm writing for a client, I'm always thinking, you know, what will people be searching for? And there are parts of people's profiles um, where keywords really count. So um, position titles is important. Um, and that professional headline, that professional headline, if you think of LinkedIn as SEO, the headline has a heavier SEO rating. So it's really important that you have all of the right keywords in there. However, we've noticed, and when I say we, I'm talking about Andy Foote and a whole load of other LinkedIn trainers have said that repeatedly the use of keywords is becoming a bit of a dark art. You know, you can have all of the right keywords and somebody's relevancy ranking is still not high. So, and that's because so many other things are influencing how people are ranked. So I can write a really great profile. It's got all of the right keywords. But if that person is not direct messaging people, if they're not growing their connections and they're not posting, then they're going to drop in relevancy. So a lot of other factors, like if they're posting, if they're commenting, and I don't know the weight of those factors and I don't know the mix of those factors, but they do seem to be having some sort of input. Mm -hmm. Rather a long answer, but I think it's really important to think, um, you a little bit like, do people read your about section? Well, no, they don't read it really closely, but it's still important. So you want to make sure you've got the right keywords. Um, an example I often use, um, not actually somebody I'd, 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 I'd type I'd ever write for, but if we think of a receptionist as an example, a receptionist will often be given a position title of a director of first impressions, you know, and if they're going to have all of over their LinkedIn profile, director of first impressions, and they haven't used the word receptionist, they're not going to show up in a search. Mm. 
So you need to have the right keywords, but that alone isn't going to help. It's also about all the other stuff. Okay. How important is for you overall the, the, the graphics of, of, the, of the LinkedIn profile? And I'm talking about LinkedIn banner, the photo, and uh, you know, all the other, other stuff. How important hugely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hugely, hugely important. So to break that question into two parts, that background banner is so important. Um, and so often we see images of people, um, we see an image of a beach and you're like, that just tells me you want to be on holiday. <laughs> It tells me nothing about what you do for a living. So, you know, that background banner image really does need to talk to what it is you do, really keeping in mind what it is you want to do and who you want to impress. So um, sometimes I'll get senior leaders who'll say, I've got this really great image of me on a stage. I want to have that as a background banner. And I'm really impressed by all these other background banners that have people on a stage. And I'm like, do you want more speaking gigs? They're like, no. I'm like, so what do you want more of? I want to sell more software as a solution, you know, more SaaS products. Well, let's look at the SaaS products, not the picture of you on a stage. So what is it you want? Make sure you've got that in the background banner. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned profile photos because I think people don't think about these enough. Now, your wonderful episode with Chris J. Reid, just to reference that again, I think really talked well about profile photos. But I think um, there's a couple of things, mistakes that people often make, and that's to stand far too far away. I think you really do need to have eye contact, you know, so Mm. don't wear sunglasses and don't stand so far away from the camera that I can't see in your eyes. So I think you're best to actually crop your picture quite close so that people can see in your eyes. And I think you can also change the, you know, if you think this is my profile photo, you know, I can cut out, see how I've got this picture here. Mm-hmm. I can use remove.bg. Mm-hmm. It's a website, free website, remove.bg, or you could use Canva, but remove.bg is really easy. And I can make all of that white, mm. you know, so you can change the background of your photo so that if it's taken in um, your kid's bedroom or in front of ugly bricks, you can change all of that. And I think more people are using Canva to put a ring around their photo. And I think remove BG and Canva, you might think, oh, do I really need to go to that effort? LinkedIn's becoming a bit of a competition for attention. So if you want the attention, it's worth that extra effort or outsource it to somebody like me who does it all for you, you know? So I have a team who do, uh, they do all the graphics design stuff. But I think all those things really do make a big difference. Yeah, very, very good points. And uh, I actually love um, one, uh, one specific tool for, uh, for the picture, for the, for the profile photo. It's called snapper.co. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of that. There's a photo yes. feeler. One, one is a photofeeler.com. That's quite well known. But uh, I actually realized that there's another one which is called snapper.co. And it's an AI uh, analysis of your, of your profile photo. It, it, it does it for free. So it's, it's a free tool. And it's really fantastic. I'd forgotten about that, actually. I'd forgotten about that. I remember John Esperian, I think, doing a post on that ages ago. So yeah, great point. Really great point. And that'll tell you whether your photo is good or not. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How to frame your photo. And, you know, me being TV producer by my profession, I'm always obsessed, you know, how, you know, how you place yourself in, uh, in a scene and all that. So yeah, I'm just, you know, a bit nerdy about, about that. 
<laughs> As you should be, because I think people don't think about it enough, you know. I think the amount of times people have got, you know, they want to look, uh, it, say they're in technology, and then they're standing in front of a really ugly brick wall that looks so 1970s, yeah. you know, and I think everything, you know, it's all about patterns. We're all forming pictures of people. So you want to make sure that you're putting your right foot forward. Absolutely. And also you mentioned one thing, you know, about the removing the background. I really feel that that's extremely important because um, imagine that you appearing in a comment section somewhere or you're commenting on someone else's post and your photo is really very small, right? So if you don't, you're not coming out of the background as a, you know, it's very, very difficult if you have some busy background behind you as I have right now, actually, this is not really very ideal for, for this. So, so definitely removing the background is a, is a great, uh, great thing. You were talking about another very, very important part of a, of a LinkedIn profile, and that is headline or, or the, um, um, how do you go about, about that? And how do you write it? How do you craft it for, for your clients? Absolutely. I have two different types of um, headlines. Um, one is where I'm taking their keywords and their key messages, and I'm trying to put them into a sentence. Mm -hmm. So that's one type that I'll do. And then other types, I'll just use a whole bunch of different keywords separated by emojis. I typically do both. So I'll say to my clients, you know, this is a sentence that I've created for you. How's that sitting with you? If you don't like the sentence, I can keep working on it until I find something that you like. Or would you prefer just to have a whole load of keywords? I think we also have to remember the complexity of what it is the person wants to do and what it is they're trying to achieve. So recently I've written a whole load of profiles for clients that are authors and they've, they've written books and they're very proud of their book and they have a couple of different objectives with their LinkedIn profiles to sell their book, to get more speaking gigs and also to sell their consultancy services. So they've got three different objectives and they want to fit all of that into their profile into their headline bit. So, you know, you can do two ways. If I'm creating a sentence, then what I'm doing is I'm looking at what are the problems you solve? Who do you solve them for? And what's the outcome of that look like or the journey of that look like? So again, going back to that Luke Skywalker, uh, little green man story, you know, what's the transformation? What's the journey? You know, so, um, so we're really talking to, to the problem uh, you have, who you do it for, and what the journey of that looks like. And I'm changing that order. So I might do, uh, you know, we help recruitment consultants, you know, with this, you know, so you might put the, the client, your ideal client type first, or you might do what you do, what the problem is first. But I, I think that's a really nice formula. And of course, we've got 220 characters. So you have a lot of space there now. What about that new feature which uh, LinkedIn introduced just uh, not that long time ago, the recording? Do you use that as well? I didn't. I didn't use that until I was on a podcast. And all through the podcast, um, the person referred to me in full. So Karen Tisdale, Tisdale, and I'm like, it's not Tisdale, it's Tisdell. <laughs> so the moment I finished that podcast, I went to, to my phone and actually recorded how you pronounce my name. So I use it just for my name. Uh, I often say to clients, you know, if you've got a, a tricky name, like Vitek, you know, sorry, can you say your name for me again? Vitek? Vitek. 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 
Rita. I did well the first time. My apologies. So I was very impressed with your podcast with uh, Leah Johnson, where she kept she kept saying your name all the time. I was like, oh, she did so well. <laughs> um, but I think you can either use it to record your name or you can use it to record your name and tell people what you do. Hmm. So personally, I don't do that second one. But again, that's just thinking about my clients. My clients are quite conservative and that might feel a bit too salesy, a bit too cheesy. Uh, but you have to think about who your ideal clients are and what works for you. Do you use it for yourself? You would absolutely use it, of course. Yeah, I do. I do actually. And I, I have like a little little bit of adding that, like a short, shorter pitch there after afterwards. Because ten seconds is quite a long time, so you can you can just put something. What's in. your short pitch? Can you tell us? Oh my god, I can't. I can't remember. I, uh, something about about LinkedIn and videos. I, I really don't People know. People have to have a look at your profile and press that sound <laughs> recording to exactly, hear it. Because exactly. So they can get their own ideas of what they can do. I think it's a really great addition on LinkedIn. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Karen, uh, I think we all know that uh, you know the, the the LinkedIn profile is extremely important. It's like a landing page for all of us, and um, usually the most important parts we know of. So that's the banner, that's our photo, the tagline, and the about section. What else would you would you work on, and what what else would you feel is really important? Because and and maybe not paying that much attention to from from our perspective. Experience section. It amazes me how many people want to get more business on, on LinkedIn and they have nothing in their experience section or they've just got a few lines, you know, or, or they've written it and they're not looked at it for ages and they're agonising over their about section, but they haven't filled out the experience section. So for me, most of the clients I write for are senior leaders. Sometimes I'll deal with solopreneurs, but usually uh, they're running an organisation and so their about section is all about I. It's all about the difference they deliver and the problems they love solving and their why. But that experience section is more like a cut and paste from the website. It's still conversational, but it's talking about we. And it still has a call to action. It still has contact details. So you've got all through the profile, multiple touch points, multiple calls to action, and you can see contact details. So you're never losing a client or losing a contact because somebody's going, oh, you know, Vitek is a, here's the solution to all my problems. You know, I want to create video content. I want to know how to use LinkedIn. Um, Vitek can teach me all of that oh, I can't see his contact details because I don't use LinkedIn much and I'm not connected to him, so uh, uh, I don't know. You know, you want to have those touch points all through. Mm. Thinking of it as a little bit like a website where you've got on each page, reach out here, mm. reach out here. So I think that's a really important thing. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realise as well the importance of having a company page. You know, it amazes me. Um, and making sure that all your employees are connected correctly to the company page. Mm -hmm. You know, so often I go in and I do corporate training, you know, and I always do a screenshot of this is how many people are connected to your company page. And then we do a screenshot after the training. This is how many people are now connected to your company page. And, oh, you know, your staff numbers have just gone up by 30%. Um, because so many people don't connect correctly to the company page. Yeah. Um, and that affects all sorts of issues in the background. So I think that's really important. If you don't have a company page, it doesn't cost anything to set up or you don't even have to have a website. You just have to have a website URL to input there. So I think people don't go to the work tab, scroll all the way down, create company page. And LinkedIn has got a very new addition, very, very new addition 
where you can actually type in self-employed into the company description and it will give you two different icons that you can choose. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn's now got that as well. So to not have an icon there, I think just looks, you know, you want to have a company logo. You want to show that you are a robust business. Yeah. I don't want to digress to the, to the company page at this moment because I, I really want to stick a little bit uh, longer on the, on the LinkedIn profile because we're talking about LinkedIn profile and I think it's really important. And I wanted to ask you how much emphasis you're putting on recommendations, skills, and some other parts of the profile. What, what, is, what is your take on that? Absolutely. I think recommendations are so important. You know, I think we all do a bit of an eye roll whenever we see on a, on a website, you know, Bob says this about this service and you're like, who's Bob, you know? So I think recommendations are so, so, so important. You know, again, to go back, I, you know, I was very impressed uh, with your episode with Chris J. Reed, where he spoke about having 1600 recommendations. Like, oh my gosh, but he works hard at doing it. And he's a very different personality type than me. You know, he's, he's great at LinkedIn. Amazing actually. But his clients are different and his style is different. You know, he's got a mohawk. He's very in your face. He's got tattoos. You know, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> you know, anyway, um, you know, so my clients are, are very conservative. And so I, I just don't ask for recommendations. And if I do, I do with no very, you know, when somebody goes, oh, that was so amazing. You did such a great job. Oh, thank you so much. I'm like, oh, you know, you can always endorse me if you like. And I just say that and I never bring it up again. You know, because for me, that, and that's my style, is very low pressure, very, you know, somewhat low key, I suppose. But I think they are important. And I think that all of us, even if you are very self-effacing, even if you are like myself, sort of low pressure, I don't, I don't want to push people, you still need to get in a habit of every time somebody says, oh, my gosh, you did something amazing, every time you know, your boss says, wow, you worked all weekend. That was incredible. Good job. You need to get in the habit of looking in their eyes, if you're, whether you're on Zoom or whatever, <laughs> smile and a wink. You could endorse me if you like. <laughs> you know, I think it's so, or, you know, write me a recommendation if you like. I think it's so important to just ask, even without the pressure, because, you know, we are competing for attention. Mm. And I think if you want to know if somebody knows what they're talking about, have a look at the recommendations. You know, these are real people. You can check them out. Mm. You can reach out to them and say, I can see you do business with Karen. What was it like? You know, and I think those skills endorsements, the skills endorsements sometimes does impact your relevancy ranking on LinkedIn. And at other times it doesn't seem to. Mm. So I think it's important to make sure that you've got the right skills in there, mm. but also not be too obsessed with your relevancy ranking a little bit like your question on keywords. It's important to have the right words, but we can't be too preoccupied with it. It's actually posting and it's direct messaging and it's connecting with people. It's a combination of all of those activities. And if you do load up, say, management and leadership and you get 20 endorsements for one and 10 for the other, you know, you've, you've just diluted your, your recommendations, you know, so it's much better you know, less is more if you like, um, but you have to pick very carefully what you have there. And I think a lot of people don't realise that you can click on the hamburgers, those horizontal lines, and you can move your skills around. And it amazes me how many times I sort of show that and people go, wow. <laughs> so that's something that people need to keep in mind is that you can obviously pin and unpin, but you can also change the order by clicking on those bars and moving things around. Yeah. 
so many so many interesting interesting things uh, i think we can carry on for another another couple of hours and still be having a lot of topics to cover but um, i would like to draw it towards towards the end of this this episode and i wanted to ask you what are your secret tips you know how how the linkedin profile should be should be done or do you have any secret tips for your clients and for our listeners i think we need to think about a venn diagram We need to think about a circle. Who am I? What are all the things I care about? And then another circle, who are my ideal clients and what do they care about? And I think look at that sweet spot. You know, you don't want to be too bland. You don't want to be too vanilla. You do want to be a bit like Vegemite. You do want to be a little bit provocative. Uh, You don't want to maybe talk about handstands or, you know, or or something, rock concerts or something a little bit different so that you just stay in people's minds. But most crucially, keep in mind when you're looking at your profile, it's not about writing a profile that pleases you, that makes you feel proud of how you look to yourself. It's all about the clients. You know, this is serving an objective. So what are your objectives? What are your goals on LinkedIn? Be crystal clear in who you want to impress and make sure that you're writing your profile from there. You know, what what is it they want to see? Not competing with them for attention, but talking about what are their problems that you love solving. Karen, it was absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, Before we go, of course, uh, my question would be, where can people reach out to you, where they can get in touch? Obviously on LinkedIn, that's um, no, no doubt about this, right? Yes, absolutely. I've also just started having a play on Twitter. So I'm, uh, but I'm still figuring it out. You know, I think I've got like, I don't know, 200 followers or 250 or something. It's really tiny. So, uh, so I'm also on Twitter at Karen underscore Tisdell. I don't know if there's an at sign. I'm still figuring Twitter out. So it's a bit of a mystery to me. Um, But you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, And please do. You'll see that my default is the follow button. Um, And just my last name is spelled strangely. So it's T-I-S-D-E-L-L. So, and if you're in Australia um, or in my time zone, reach out and and click on more and connect and send me an invitation to connect. um, Because I do also send out a lot of free resources to everybody. Awesome. uh, Thank you so much for having me on your show. You know, I'm such a huge fan of your podcast and you've had so many amazing guests, like amazing guests. Like Karen is still in now this episode, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. I really thank you that you took the time to be with us and with our listeners. It was awesome to have you here. And I reserve the right to call you again and invite you for for our next podcast and also in some, some near future, because I think we have still a lot of things to cover and a lot of things to talk about. It was absolutely awesome to have you here, Karen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.